0: Hello and welcome to the Canopy Boulder Cannabis Business Podcast, where we talk about the intersection of entrepreneurship and investing in the legal cannabis industry. Each week we'll give you our perspective on the latest news in the industry, bring you insightful interviews with entrepreneurs, investors, and industry pros, and also go deeper on topics like launching a business, building a team, pitching investors, and setting a fair valuation. Now why would we take on such a challenge? Well, since we launched our cannabis-focused business accelerator and venture fund in 2013, we've made over 110 investments into 90 companies in the legal cannabis industry. And we want to share our experiences and learnings with you. So join us every week as we take a deeper look into the legal cannabis industry and uncover the nuances and subtlety of starting up and investing in cannabis. Hi, this is Patrick Ray uh, with Canopy Boulder, and today we're gonna be talking about exits. Now, preparing for exits is a key part of any um, venture-backed company, um, like the ones we invest in here at Canopy Boulder. And we've already talked about exits uh, in two prior episodes uh, from the legal and the tax accounting perspective, so please do look back in our list of podcasts for those, and uh, that will complete the three-part series But now we're going to hit exits from the third side, the entrepreneur side. And for that, we have Mason Levy, uh, CEO and founder of Swivel, joining us today. Hi, Mason.
1: Hey, Patrick. Thanks for having me.
0: All right. So, Mason, let's start out a little bit about your background, um, how you sort of joined Canopy Boulder. A little quick update for those who may not know the story of Mason Levy and Canopy Boulder.
1: Yeah, sure. So, you know, I founded WeGrow in July of 2015, uh, came to Boulder uh, to join the spring 2016 class, Uh, went through that accelerator and then you know graciously jumped on board with uh you know the leadership of patrick gray uh, to, to, to help um you know run part of the accelerator for about a year and a half yeah, so that's... we went out to berkeley
0: mm-hmm. together yeah it was, was a blast
1: we, we could have a whole podcast around the experiences <laughs> in berkeley
0: essentially we all moved uh somewhat permanently and temporarily to berkeley yeah for like six months yeah and ran an accelerator program there and mason sort of uh, headed up there to make sure everything was happening and also got, you know, to sort of live in the Bay Area for uh, how long? Like, was it six months or so? Yeah, it was about six months. Yeah,
1: It was a cool experience. Yeah. So, yeah, I ran an accelerator during the day and then a hostel at
0: night. Because <laughs> <laughs> we had an apartment there. So okay. Mason was like, you know, checking everybody. And it was like Mason B&B. But then uh, we,
1: we couldn't stay away from the Flatirons. So we came back uh, to Boulder, you know, after yeah. six months.
0: Yeah, it was an interesting experience. I got to be honest with you, going out to California uh, around the time that they were of the election. Yep. And actually, we were all in, uh, you know, the Bay Area on election night, and it was really a surreal experience.
1: It was interesting. I mean, it was a you know a lot of positives for the cannabis industry happening that night, and then you know the reflection of the actual national scene happening in the background. You know, you didn't know exactly yeah. how to react.
0: Yeah, everybody was sort of stunned, like stunned at so many initiatives passed. Yep. right, because they weren't predicting all those that would pass, and then to also see. You know trump elected in the bay area was just a bit of a shock to a, a lot of people I, I i have to say that the thing that i I'll always remember about that was being woken up at like four in the morning by the sound of helicopters over the apartment because people were already protesting <laughs> down telegraph avenue in berkeley they were just fired up and they had to go and do something god bless berkeley
1: yeah, I felt, you know, it was interesting, I mean, outside of the national political scene, I mean, to be around people that had spent, you know, a majority of their career and life advocating for cannabis legalization, uh, to be around them that night was really awesome, and, and it kind of, I felt bad for them, too, to to have, like, the national backdrop kind of overshadowing some of the stuff that they had done, but yeah. I think it's kind of played out in their favor and and it's working.
0: You know, we're still here, right? The sky has not fallen. Zombie apocalypse is not upon us. So uh, one foot in front of the other, right? Totally. Totally. So let's talk about WeGrow and um, that business.
1: Yeah. I mean, WeGrow uh, at the heart of it was an educational platform empowering the home cultivator to be able to cultivate their personal product at home. Uh, You know, the beginning of it was if somebody... I came from the healthcare industry mm-hmm. prior and the beginning was like seeing people utilizing cannabis as an alternative or supplementary medication and kind of this realization that if somebody wanted to cultivate their own product, uh, the thing that shouldn't stop them is a knowledge. Uh, and so we set out to break down the barrier to learning how to cultivate.
0: And and it took the form of an app?
1: Yeah, an app. A uh, journaling app was kind of the MVP. Hey, how do you track? Uh, and then, you know, obviously we added in a lot of educational content from email campaigns that are triggered throughout the application uh, to a chatbot, uh, which is you know my background even prior in the healthcare space was in kind of conversational interface, and so we always wanted
0: to push that way. So there were really two assets in WeGrew. there was the content on how to grow, right, yep. and the audience. I guess as a third asset, and then there was the sort of educational infrastructure, yep. right? The the, the chatbot is you is you turn bit. So so you sold WeGrow. Yep. So talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I mean, I
1: think uh, as an entrepreneur, you know, your job, especially if you're raising outside capital, um, is to figure out a way to return money. And that always means an exit, right? And as a first time founder, you know, you don't know exactly what that looks like. um, And you're always kind of figuring out how to do that. I don't think that when I started we grow did I think in two years we'd be signing paperwork to, to sell the assets um, But the timing was right We had a lot of lessons learned uh, in building a lot of things that weren't working uh, a lot of things that were working and ultimately, I think we found a partner that was going to enable the vision of we grow to accomplish what we tried to accomplish, uh, where we could go out and focus on what we were really great at, and that was ultimately building a lot of the underlying tech that allows for a conversational interface to educate somebody in context to what they're doing, regardless of the content that's being populated
0: in there. Right, so it's so just for to quickly jump in, you sold WeGrow to Vivid Grow. And and for the listeners, they can go and Google the deal and see the press release and all that. We're not gonna get into specifics about terms and all that, but sure. um, it, I think it worked out.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, the, you know, asking advice prior to the deal, you know, how is this gonna feel afterwards? You know, everybody's like, nobody's gonna be happy. And, you know, I'm sure that there's things on both sides of the table that uh, each of us probably would like to see the other one do, but, you know, we're happy they got a great asset we got a great partner we're mm-hmm. able to focus on what we're doing uh, and at the end of the day you know that's a big thumbs up and a win for everybody
0: and I think that's that's sort of a, a great lesson for any entrepreneur or investor who's negotiating something in business in general it's like you know if you walk out and you're way you're super happy you're too happy like it might just be too good of a deal and um, you know you need to give Right? Totally. you always need to give something, and you need to make sure it's a fair deal for all. Um, because those deals that are too lopsided, one or other, one way or another, they usually come back and bite, bite you. You. Then you know what? So um, you I know think
1: both sides like knew what they were trying to give. Yeah, yeah, and, and like having a clear understanding of that going into the process on both sides of the table was super vital. Like,
0: so so let's talk about some lessons learned. I mean, you know, that's one. You know communication and understanding the other side's wants and needs, right? Yep. So how that how you know, that, that that that's not something like you shake some you meet somebody and they immediately like snap your fingers and they're like this is exactly what I'm looking for. Hopefully sometimes it is and they're yeah. being honest about it, but sometimes it takes some time to draw. What was your process like?
1: Yeah, I think uh, at the very beginning it was just about building a relationship. You know, we didn't start out with the intention of like selling assets to somebody, uh, but ultimately, you know, building a relationship with a potential partner, mm-hmm. uh, and that partner relationship ended up becoming an acquisition.
0: Right? Yeah, and that's a lesson too, right? Is to behave the, your best at all times because you never know where it's going to go. Totally right. Totally. So, um, you know, in your perspective now. You know, when should a company, an entrepreneur, the listeners of the podcast start thinking about exit? Is it, is it something they should think about day one, day thousand or, you know, what what would your advice be?
1: I think that whenever I talk to entrepreneurs, the thing that I love to ask at any point in time, this doesn't necessarily reflect to just exits, is like, why are you building what you're building? And like, what do you want that outcome to be? Uh, And if you can reflect on that as a core team and say, like, we want to exit, then, you know, you're kind of always, as a CEO, should be looking for that opportunity. Um, Knowing when the exact time is is a great balancing act, uh, and I'm lucky to have a lot of mentors and advisors to you know, poke their brain and say, Hey, look, this is kind of something that's an opportunity in front of us. Should we explore it? It's a shiny light. You know, should we run away from it or, you know, go towards it? Right. And, and that's kind of, I don't think there's a black and white answer on that side yeah. of
0: things. Yeah. I mean, when you were starting, we grow, I mean, was it something you thought about or, I mean, you're, 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 you're like, you're a lot of things. You're a great entrepreneur, but you're really like, you love product too. Mm. I mean, were you thinking about this in the future when you were starting it or, or not
1: yeah I think with anything that I get my hands in like I'm the type of person that is very dedicated and wants to I could see myself I could at the time I like could have seen myself working on we grow for a decade mm-hmm. plus right mm-hmm. and I, I think if you're an entrepreneur starting something and you can't see yourself being in that business for more than a decade then you're probably not starting the right business mm-hmm. um, so yeah I mean there's a lot of things that we had on our roadmap that we didn't ever get to uh, but at the end of the day I think day one, we knew we wanted to sell it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that mm-hmm. was always the objective was mm-hmm. to sell it. And so mm-hmm. as much as you love it and as much as you're passionate about the product and the problem that you're solving and the customers, uh, again, you have as a venture backed business, uh, investors and shareholders that expect something.
0: Yeah. And let's be clear. There's like really two types of businesses that people create, there's sort of lifestyle businesses which will support a few people and it'll be enough to cover the bills and, you know, maybe provide a good life for everybody's working on it, but there probably won't be a, we say the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. i mean, sure. And then there's the venture back businesses, which are, you know, designed and structured to grow faster more aggressively, uh, build up assets uh, that someone would be interested in paying for eventually. A hundred percent. So when you started, we grow, what were, I mean, You know can can you go back to the moment and like the first couple days and did you see this as something that you would sell or was it something like you were like i'm just going to keep working on this i mean what was in the because i mean there's a lot of entrepreneurs listening and they're probably in this moment now
1: yeah i knew that the space that specifically in the cannabis space like it's ripe for opportunity to exit in a really quick fashion uh, because of how rapidly the industry is growing um And I knew that we were building something slightly differently than a lot of our competitors or the people that were in the market were building. Um, You know, we were building an audience that's great, but collecting a lot of homegrown data, uh, as well as just conversationally based grow data, it's like that didn't exist. Right. Um, And so, yeah, like would somebody come in and swipe that up? There is no doubt in my mind that somebody wanted that, whether that be a large LP in Canada that wants it internally. Uh, or a Scott's miracle Grow that's making investments into the space, there's going to be somebody that saw value into that because ultimately that's you know where things are going in tech.
0: So let's shift gears from just the specific deal and talk a little bit more about just process, right? So um, did you use an investment banker? Did the people reach out to you? Did you reach out to them? Like, you know, just generally, um, were you driving this or were you sort of having someone else drive it or people came to you?
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, I handled all of that myself again. Lucky to have mentors and advisors that I can go back to and I think a big lesson learned too is like don't be afraid to to say goodbye on a phone call. Uh, you know, go at, go call some other people and then jump back on the phone again. Uh, you know, if you don't know the answer. Right. I think that's completely okay to say, "Hey, look, I need to go ask somebody yeah, a question."
0: Yeah, you can quickly in almost any situation, you can't be an expert in everything. You're going to find yourself like wanting uh be able to phone a friend right totally
1: <laughs> and I think like really early on knowing you know the business was two years old etc cetera, etc cetera, that like I personally wanted to handle that mm-hmm. like that was a learning lesson for mm-hmm. me as an entrepreneur and so you know there this wasn't a hundred million dollar deal mm-hmm. uh, plus like mm-hmm. uh, You're, we're not
0: we're not broadcasting from oh, would you say like <laughs> Maui yeah. right now or yeah. in 33 degree uh, sunny Boulder, Colorado. It's better than the zero degree weather over the weekend. <laughs> That's so true. So um, so, um, so, you led the process, uh, got the help of some of your investors and your mentors. Um, you know, you're talking to people about this deal. How do you handle confidentiality? I mean, you know, you're a small team, uh, you know, within your company should, who should know about the transaction or potential transaction? Would you learn anything from that process?
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm always really transparent with the team, uh, just about with anything. Uh, and so, you know, day one, when the conversation started, you know, in our weekly updates or something, there's probably some touch points around, hey, these conversations are happening.
0: Well, and you're talking about a partnership at first, right? Totally, and then it evolves.
1: Yeah, exactly. And, you know, prior to even the WeGrow deal, like internally, you know, we had a lot of conversations around the future of our business. And so we had had a lot of conversations around, hey, look, we're not going to continue to develop the, the WeGrow technology because we only have so much resources that we need to go out and focus on this piece of the puzzle so that we can leap back and eventually come back to to working on WeGrow, right? The tech that we are ultimately building with Swivel is going to empower the technology that we saw with WeGrow. And so that conversation had happened. You know, so people were, you know, we'd kind of had those uh, roads crossed already mm-hmm. uh, around, you know, we grow thing kind of sitting on the shelf for a little while, mm-hmm. uh, and so yeah, but I think the only other thing that was you know, who should you be transparent around is like almost immediately when the deal started to get a little bit more serious, was bringing in legal mm-hmm. right and making sure that we weren't doing anything that was just gonna bite us. Mm-hmm. Um, that was kind of a, a fear factor on my side, yeah.
0: It's like a pro, there's a process, and these documents that people drop operating agreements, investment documents, they take in consideration things like this happening. So as an entrepreneur, you want to make sure that you're not doing anything that's, you know, outside the lines. Right. Yeah. So, um, you know, talk us through that process. I mean, how did the lawyers engage? Uh, obviously, they're on the team. What do they do for it?
1: Yes. Yeah, so we'll take it even a step back. Okay. So, you know, building the relationship, thinking about partnership, going, OK, like there's actually maybe a potential acquisition here. Uh, What does that look like, signing an NDA, uh, so that you can start to disclose information to them that you maybe consider sensitive or proprietary. Uh, And then, you know, before we even got to legal, I had already started interacting with legal on my side, but an LOI, again, understanding kind of what both sides wants. I do, and you say this all the time, Drafted as a, I want this, or I do this, you do this type of a document, and, you know, get a buy-in, get signatures on that. Right, because mm-hmm. like, holy crap! Does that change the the dynamic when somebody puts a pen to paper and signs their name on a piece of document, even if it's not
0: illegally binding? Yeah, document? right. It, it, it's a it's a sign of uh, seriousness. And I, uh, any advice to any entrepreneur if you're wanting to know if someone is serious about working with you, create that document. We will do this. You will do that, and just go back and forth. I mean, Google Docs, like we, you know, super we were, simple. It was a Google Doc. Yeah, so, Yeah, so easy to yeah. do. And if. You get to see does someone engage with the document do they edit it do they add anything do they delete anything like do they follow up i mean you're always wondering if these initial conversations are going to get serious to a point where it's getting really real yep and that's just a great way to start it's easy too it's like it's not it's not overwhelming it's not some big 15 page legal no doc. it was it's a i Google think doc. it start I, I could go back and look at
1: that exact loi but i'm sure it's about half a page maybe that's awesome
0: that's awesome that's the way it starts
1: yeah Mm -hmm. and then you know eventually uh as it gets a little bit more serious and you've got to get legal people involved you know there's going to be general counsel on one side and you know legal representation on another that are negotiating kind of back and forth around specifics um in our case because we were continually owning a piece of the tech uh you know a big kind of thing that we had to talk about was like where does data live and who owns what data and what is being sold and what's not being sold and
0: it's a lot of details
1: there's a lot of stuff there and there's a lot of documentation around how do you value what's being bought mm-hmm. uh, etc
0: mm-hmm. mm-hmm. so uh, no investment banker on this deal uh, accountants did you get in tax uh, advice on this
1: yeah eventually we did get our CPA involved just to like again you know w- w- are there any gotchas that we should be looking out for anything in the terminology of the documentation that you know we should be structuring one way or another so that again we just don't want to be bitten at the end of the runway i mean again we i'm not sitting on maui right now on the beaches of maui right right now and so like they're
0: it's a true partnership (laughs) yeah it is we gotta we gotta live together and And you're working you know that's the one thing you're still working together with the the choir right now yeah
1: um, yeah we have a good relationship with david and team that's
0: great that's great um let's see what's next uh negotiations like the bid and the process the offer and the negotiation back and forth what advice do you have for entrepreneurs in that process yeah again i think it's like first of all going back to
1: what we said earlier like understand what you want Mm -hmm. and what you're trying to get out of it uh and then you know understand how you value the things that you think you're selling right uh it's really ambiguous like you know what something's valued is really what price is somebody willing to pay? But from the selling side of things, I needed to know how to even begin with a price. Uh, and so, you know, we have spreadsheets that broke down every, we knew that they were buying our users. Mm-hmm. That was one of the things that they liked is mm-hmm. that we had a user account, we had an email mm-hmm. list. So how do you value that? Mm-hmm. How do you value each Twitter follower? Mm-hmm. And breaking that up, down on a sheet and showing growth over time and projected growth over the next say 6, 12, 18 months and valuing the projected growth as well. You know, they're buying technology and so technology is a little bit more ambiguous, but I can at least assign, you know, hours of development time into yeah. it because
0: in that's, a lot of that's the, that's what you've paid for it.
1: Yeah, and a lot of times an acquisition is a build versus buy question, mm-hmm. right? The you know, am I gonna build it or should I go buy it? And mm-hmm. so, hey, look, this is if you were to go build this, this is what it would have costed you. Mm-hmm. You know, to to get to this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and so all of those things documented, and then you know, it's a conversation going back and forth of one side wanting to to put a price uh, at the top end, the other side putting the price at the bottom end, and you know, figuring out where you're gonna give and take, and you know, knowing that there is gonna be a give and take on both sides.
0: Right, and you know we talked about the LOI then getting in the negotiation I think it's important to interject a little bit of a lesson for entrepreneurs here that in a negotiation in a sale the entrepreneur has the most leverage in the deal at the signing of the LOI which is typically non-binding <laughs> yeah so you know, just wrap your brain around that for a moment because that's usually when everyone's like high-five and this is gonna be great and let's go for it and then no negotiation really begins, and again, the further you get away from that LOI signing and closer to the point where they're actually going to wire you money, the more leverage they have. So, as an entrepreneur, um, and this is a lesson for all investment from all investment bankers, is you try to collapse that process. Do as much prep work on the front ends so that when you get the LOI signed, you move like with no obstruction. Right? Yeah. There's nothing that you don't have or can't get really quick that they needs to, that slows down the process and adds sort of fatigue in the deal. Um, so, um, how long was your process? You know, I think from
1: LOI sign to closing, uh, we went, we did this through the holidays, which was tough. But I think it was, you know, about a three month process. Mm-hmm. Uh, so started in November. Uh, we closed, I think, January 31 of 2018. Uh, and so, you know, it was about three months. There's mm-hmm. some tech diligence because we hadn't opened our code base uh, right. until the very end right. of the process, uh, things like that. And again, rounding up just people in the business world during the holiday season is a tough thing to do in general. Uh, and so, keeping momentum and trying to close that process with lawyers involved. Uh, you know, it really sped up once January 1 hit. And, yeah. then you know, we kind of closed probably in 25 days after after the wow. new year.
0: It's really impressive. I mean, the, we have a saying like it's easy to get into the red zone for football fans. That's like the last 20 yards or I guess for not football fans, it's the last 20 yards <laughs> towards getting you the end zone. So it's easy to get into the red zone. It's hard to get in the end zone. And um, to do it over the holidays is yeah, that's impressive.
1: A lot of lessons learned just about communication. I mean, again, you know, how do you continually push a ball when there's maybe nobody playing ball with you? Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. so, you know, just being persistent. I think that's a, a key quality of a good entrepreneur is persistence. And, and knowing how to balance persistence and annoyance is, is kind of there too, right?
0: You know, it, 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 for every successful entrepreneur, they balance that really well.
1: Yeah, and like I don't think said. there's a playbook. I, I think sometimes even today, like I'm annoying, and then the next day I'm like, I'm not annoying because it worked. You know? Right.
0: Yeah. Um, you know, so you know, you have you have a bunch of things that you can negotiate in a deal. Um, your advice to entrepreneurs: what should you care about? What should you not really care about? As yeah.
1: much. Yeah, it's a good question. I. I, I again it's a difference of like what you're trying to achieve uh in our case like we were trying to achieve the ability for us to continue to build the core tech right we knew that we weren't taking a payday out of it and so how do we empower ourselves to to be jump-started along that pathway mm-hmm. uh was really what i cared about and i yeah. filtered almost every decision through that kind of lens of mm-hmm. like is this going to help us do what we ultimately want to do once mm-hmm. the deal closed um And then, you know, again, I'd say one of the biggest things that I've learned in, you know, six years of startup world is startups is a team sport. And Mm -hmm. you have to have people around you that you can feel comfortable being blunt and honest and asking questions and feeling comfortable that when a blunt and honest answer comes back. Uh, And those types of things, I think I I leaned on you and Micah, you know, heavily through that process, especially Mm -hmm. in the early parts of January to go, we're getting close. I know that the legal team is asking these questions. Should I care about what they're doing here? Does it mm-hmm. matter? You mm-hmm. know, and sometimes it was a quick no mm-hmm. or like, you know, let's sit down and talk about it a little bit. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, so let's talk a little bit about swivel now. Yeah. So you sold off, we grow asset. Um, and you're taking that money and you invest in a swivel. Talk a little bit about swivel and like what you've been able to accomplish now with that um, sort of investment.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, something I've been trying to build since day one is a platform that empowers learning uh, in general, and that's not only for the platform itself to learn. So, you know, Swivel is a human-in-the-loop AI platform Uh, It allows for someone to continually look at a chatbot or an AI model of natural language processing, see what it's performing well at, see where it's failing, uh, and ultimately optimize and improve. You know, my background... Uh, educationally wise, comes from uh, engineering and uh, Six Sigma operational efficiencies. And, you know, I've always been a very big proponent of the lean startup methodology and rapid iteration, finding areas within a system that, uh, you know, need improvement. And I think ultimately like Swivel embodies that in every core piece of it, right? Get something out into the market even if it's a dumb algorithm and allow it to learn, right? With WeGrow, we built, we spent probably seven or eight months building content for the initial chat bot, which is like crazy to think that we didn't put anything out in front of the world for almost eight months. Uh, and then we launched it and we got some great feedback and now it's like, how do you manage that feedback loop? Uh, with Swivel, we can do that in a week. Mm-hmm. The same thing that we did in eight months. Hmm. Uh, and so, you know, that's been really exciting to see that move like that and the ability for us to go and help other entrepreneurs uh you know learn quicker and and deploy some really complex uh you know natural language processing models is cool
0: so one of the things that's always been is super impressed about swivel is how quickly you can turn it on for somebody right yep. yeah yeah you walk through the process of like integrating swivel into somebody's system website or business
1: yeah, so you know when we first built the Swivel system, it took us uh, probably about two weeks to get embedded into somebody's website. We've got that down to about an hour and a half. Um, you know, from a process perspective, it's it's as easy as uh, copying and pasting two lines of JavaScript uh, into the header of your website. Uh, again, the human in a loop piece of the puzzle makes that beautiful because there's no data in the system at that point in time, uh, and so the model is going to be really unconfident with anything that comes through the model, mm. and so you're relying on a human to respond. Uh, but that human-to-machine partnership is really important mm-hmm. uh, and it learn the machines learn it's like training a toddler how to speak mm-hmm. um, and being the parent that kind of watches over them and as mm-hmm. the, the the machine learns the less you have to kind of be guided and so again the initial setups you know two hours and then you kind of let it go to elementary school and middle school and hopefully graduate at some point <laughs> in time where it's you know not off to the races by itself but being monitored
0: you know it reminds me of something i heard last week at a family office uh, conference where um, alex bogusky founder of uh, crispin porter Bagusky, big agency here in boulder colorado handles big accounts a sort of like a legendary ad man um if you want to call him that and someone asked him in the audience what are you looking at investing in and he said i'm looking at any technology any apps That are going to let people be super lazy. Mm -hmm. Right. So, you know, anything that enables people to like stay on the couch longer, whether that's like ordering food, Mm -hmm. right, you know, uh, buying stuff on Amazon Prime. I mean, you think about it, it just reframes what's going on here. And that's again, reminds me why, you know, it's Swivel is such a really interesting. Uh, product and service is that it is just, it, it solves a lot of people's problems, right? It helps them increase engagement with their customers or their employees or whoever they want to engage with in a very sort of seamless manner. If something goes over a threshold of uh, being able, to, the chatbot being able to answer it, it kicks it to a human, they can engage, right? So, you can, so essentially you save tons of money oh, yeah. for companies um, in their sort of customer service and internal engagement, right?
1: Yeah, it's an efficiency play. Yeah. I mean, if you're building a business today and not thinking about hey, how AI affects your business, you're already behind the eight ball. Yeah. Um, and so you know, deploying something that allows your staff to interact with them uh, in a really easy way uh, is, is exactly what it is. I mean, most of the time when people think AI, they think magic, uh, and it's not magic. Uh, you know, there's a lot of work that goes into it, but we've tried to abstract that to make it super easy for somebody to, to come in and build some complex, you know, math and quote unquote magic.
0: So who's going to buy Swivel?
1: Yeah, I think there are a lot of potential acquirers. You know, we're already kind of navigating that pathway from a partnership perspective again. Uh, you know, looking at the big help desk of the world, uh, we think in the customer success realm, the ability to be a huge uh, intelligence Feedback loop for the help desk uh, could be potential. Uh, we also see the potential of, you know, the big acquirers as, you know, Microsoft and Amazon. Uh, we are building on top of their frameworks for mm-hmm. natural language processing and machine learning, and making it accessible to a wider audience of people that aren't data scientists. And I think that's a uh, extremely valuable to them as they, you know, continue their democratization of
0: machine learning and AI. So having one in under your belt when you go into this next one what will you do differently if anything
1: yeah it's a good question i mean first of all ask for more money uh, this time uh, so that we can be on higher my, yeah so we can be on the the maui beaches um <laughs> i'm happy to go with you to the
0: maui, the beach at maui's yeah we'll have a good time
1: we'll do that together that sounds good to me <laughs> um other things is you know i this last time it was it was an acquisition of assets um you know we've probably sell the entire thing. Uh, and figuring out what that looks like post-acquisition, uh, I think is gonna be a little bit different than the first go-round. Um, and making sure that the shareholders get the, the things that they deserve. Again, i had had a lot of conversations with people that have made investments around the idea of doubling down. Uh, and at the point in time, that made a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that you know in three years, five years, that makes sense yeah
0: yeah cool and I'm excited you know that it's like you found a home for one asset and the asset that you're super excited about developing you are taken to the next level so I think it's like it's an interesting sort of uh, iteration in a process that people think you know from just you know news stories and headlines it's yeah. like you know snap your fingers you start it snap your fingers you sell it and they're you know um, Sometimes the the, the the distance between the two points is not a straight line, right? It's totally. Like it's, a, it's a zig and a zag. And, um, you know, I think, uh, you know, the fact that you are cranking on swivel is a testament to your decision making and the process that you followed and the way that you did it. You know, I, I'd say, you know, getting, hearing from you, reaching out, giving us a chance to advise and talk it out and you know troubleshoot you know um, yep. that was I think a, a lesson to entrepreneurs is that they shouldn't if they have good investors that are on the same page and are supportive of them they shouldn't worry about reaching out to them and talking about things that come in and they should
1: 100% I 100%. mean I think it's uh, as an entrepreneur you're always storytelling mm-hmm. um, and most of the time you're trying to tell a vision in a direction that's up and to the right um, but the people that are on your team, I think you actually get more value by kind of taking that mask away and, and talking about the things that are in the bottom left corner that aren't working so well, because those are ultimately the areas that you need help in. And if you yeah. don't, if you don't ask for help, you're not going to get help.
0: Yeah, that's right. You, you only get help where you need it, right? And yep. we ask for it. Um, anything we miss Mason that you want to talk about as part of this?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the only thing, it's its really great to have a feather in your cap as an entrepreneur uh, to say, hey, look, I, I've gone through an entire business cycle. Um, but ultimately, like, I think, I look at WeGrow as a, and this is a term that just in general is used, so as a failure. I mean, ultimately, you know, when we started WeGrow, we had a huge pro forma that looked like the, up into the right scale. Uh, and... Uh, had a business model that didn't work out uh, at the the early stages. Um, but it was again, a lean process where you know we learned, we changed directions and continue to do that. And so, you know, as an entrepreneur, my like advice to the people listening is to you know be humble enough to like look in the mirror and and say you might not be right the first time. Uh, I think that's a really hard thing to do sometimes um, and be flexible enough to change directions and, you know, people say pivot,
0: uh, we'll say swivel. Mm-hmm. All right. <laughs> and, and move forward. Nice. Nice. Well, Mason, thanks for joining us on the Canopy Boulder podcast. We really appreciate it. It's always good to have you around and, uh, thank you. Yeah. Thanks Patrick. It's good to be part of the family. All right. So, uh, for those of you listening on the podcast, uh, if you like what you're hearing, please let us know, um, like share, uh, give us a rating, write a review, the more we hear back from you, the more we can make sure the content going forward is tailored to your needs. So let us know what you're looking for, and we'll try to provide it. So thanks again, and until next time, this is Patrick Ray with Mason Levy of Swivel, TrySwivel.com. That's right. And, uh, and uh, we're excited to have you on and uh, talk to you next time. Thanks. Thanks, Patrick. Now for the disclaimers. Please do not take any information from the Canopy Boulder podcast or its guests as investment advice. Be sure to contact your licensed financial advisor before making any investment decisions. So thank you for listening and please join us for another Canopy Boulder podcast episode coming to you soon.